This morning, I've titled my message, Jesus and Our Expectations. And as we turn to, the, to our scripture lesson this morning, we're going to discover the question that John asked Jesus. It's a question that has actually been asked throughout the centuries, and people are asking it today, and people will continue to ask it for years to come. So will you turn with me in your Bibles or on your phones or tablets to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 1 to 6, and stand with me as we read God's Word. May the Holy Spirit plant God's Word in our lives today, and may, we nur- may it nurture us and allow it to grow and bear fruit in our lives for the sake of others. Matthew 11, 1 to 6. After Jesus had been instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble or take offense on account of me. May God bless us in the receiving of his precious and holy word this morning. You may be seated. Imagine for a moment a world without questions. What if we lived in a world where we could only give commands, statements, or answers Think about it for a moment. You couldn't ask your friend or family member how they were doing. There would be no tests in school, which might be a welcome sight for some. A parent would never be able to hear those words, why mommy, why dad? Do you know marriage proposals would be gone. Curiosity would be extinct. Now, keep in mind that the average preschooler asks between 100 and 200 questions a day. That's about one every two minutes. But even as adults, we ask between 25 and 30 questions a day. Try even after worship in the atrium to talk with someone to someone without even asking a question. A world without questions would be horrible. Questions are important. They help us to discover the right answers. Now consider for a moment, according to Google, the top most asked questions in 2023 on average over the first six months. Let me just give you the top three. You'll never guess them. How many ounces in a cup? is the number one question, okay? 
Number two, how to download WhatsApp. How many of you know what WhatsApp is? Number three, where's my refund? Okay. Makes you wonder what people are doing on the internet. But I want us to think for a moment of the most asked questions that begin with the word are. Because that's the question that John asks. Now just consider this for a moment. The top are questions on an average search, on, on an average search, monthly search. The number one is, you'll never guess it, are shingles contagious? Number two, completely opposite from it is, are mermaids real? Number three, are banks open today? Number four, are sinus infections contagious? Number five, and I'll stop there, are we in a recession? John the Baptist in verse three asks his own our question to Jesus. Are you the one, the Messiah, or should we expect someone else? This is truly the question of the ages. It is as relevant today as it was in the days of John the Baptist and throughout every century since. In some form or shape, it has been asked by people in all walks of life, in all circumstances of life, and all cultures of life. It is the question that is asked within the walls of the church or on city streets, in neighborhoods regardless of where they are or in workplaces and in schools. It's the question that people of every race and nationality ask. Why? Because the question, are you the one, points to the reality of the human heart and spirit. The human heart and spirit longs for, desires, needs a Messiah to anchor one's life. And if it's not Jesus, it's going to be something or someone else. Now for some, it becomes a spouse, a child, have you, a parent, could be a boss, a significant other that provides that safety and security. It could also be, it could also be found in the pursuit of accomplishments, status, achievements, or earnings. It could be found in addictions, pleasurable pursuits, other and, and unhealthy behaviors. Every day, Christians and non-Christians are making decisions around the anchor or the Messiah of their lives. And I want us to hear this this morning. If it's not Jesus, it will be someone or something else. And so this morning, I want to invite you to consider three insights for our lives and our walk with Jesus so that we can live the life that God so desires for our lives, no matter what may be happening. In the words of Jesus himself, he said, I have come to give you life and give it abundantly. And so these three insights are, first, the problem that we all face. The second insight is this, 
the challenge that we need to confront. And the third insight is the answer for our lives. So let's begin with the problem. Our circumstances often change what we think of Jesus. And the reality is this. Many of us are or have been like John the Baptist. Consider this for a moment. What's amazing about John's question is that here is the man who God had called before the birth of Jesus to prepare the way of the Messiah. Here is the man who wandered in the wilderness declaring in the midst of of his ministry of repentance and baptism these words. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. At Jesus' baptism, in the Gospel of John, John the Baptist says this about Jesus. I saw the Spirit come down as a dove and remain on him. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So how does a man go from declaring these truths to questioning Jesus? Are you the one? What's changed in his life? It's his circumstances. How does a man... John the Baptist is now in prison in Matthew 11. Now, if you remember, John the Baptist, the man who was calling Israel to to repentance, found himself in prison because he called out King Herod for marrying Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. And so he was imprisoned locked up in a dungeon in a fortified palace of Herod, set on a 2,100-foot-high hilltop east of the Dead Sea. And behind me, you see what are the remains. Buried on top of that hill are the remains of the palace and the dungeon. The fortress was more than a half-mile high above the surrounding land. And John knows that apart from some miraculous rescue, he's not getting out alive. So now instead of freely wandering through the wilderness or even the palace courtyard, John the Baptist is trapped in darkness, in dampness, within the confines of four small prison walls. And all of a sudden, life has become hard. It was not going the way he thought it was going to go or even should go. Think about this for a moment. John the Baptist had been given the life to prepare the way for the Messiah. If there was any man who could make the case that he deserved the favor of God, it would be him. Yet he finds himself in prison for speaking the truth and soon will end up with his head served on a platter. Now, because of his circumstances, all that he believed about Jesus was not making sense. It wasn't lining up with what he thought should be happening and what he was experiencing. Have you ever felt that way? 
Have you ever started questioning Jesus or God because he's not showing up for you when you expected him to show up? He's not providing for you the way you need him to provide for you? He's feeling distant and absent. You're wondering if he even cares about you anymore. It was 15 years ago. Right around this time of the year, the weather was hot. It was humid, not unlike today. My family was in a deep season of grief. I had stepped away from ministry, believing that another ministry was in front of me. We lost our church community. I had to do something and I needed to provide for my family. So a friend hired me to work at his company as a landscaper for just above minimum wage. The only thing I knew about landscaping was mowing the grass. And when they gave me one of those big mowers and I couldn't cut the straight lines, he found another job for me. So there I was about this time of the year in the middle of the afternoon in a hot summer, heat mulching under pine trees off Bender Road in North Ridgeville. Have you ever mulched under pine trees on a hot summer day? I was on my hands and knees under the pine tree with its low branches. My hat and shirt were drenched with perspiration, feeling the scratches of the pine needles on my neck. And I remember saying to Jesus, this can't be the rest of my life. Surely there has to be more than life to this. I was a long way from preaching and teaching in doing pastoral care. You know, if I went out there today, I could probably find that exact pine tree that I said those words. What had happened? My circumstances had changed. We long for Jesus, a savior, but become disenchanted because our circumstances are not the ones we expected to find ourselves in. Anybody been there? And all of a sudden, we feel like life is not fair, God is not fair. And in essence, like John, we feel imprisoned or are imprisoned by our circumstances. Sometimes by our own doing, and sometimes by things completely out of our control. Prison walls can look like many things. A loved one dies. You get a bad diagnosis. Our children are suffering. There's a senseless act of violence, a natural disaster. Accidents where maybe a loved one dies, a relationship that ends, or stuck in a bad relationship, fired unjustly from a job, friends who turn against you, The door of opportunity seems nailed shut. Addictions of all kinds. Whatever it might be, Jesus just did not conform to your expectations. 
and we find ourselves imprisoned and we ask the question, who is Jesus? Folks, we need to make sure that Jesus impacts our circumstances, not our circumstances impacting our view of Jesus. We need to make sure that Jesus impacts our circumstances, not our circumstances impacting our view of Jesus. In other words, we need to let Jesus be Jesus. Which leads us to our second insight this morning, the challenge. We need to embrace Jesus for who he truly is, not for what we want him to be. If we allow false expectations to shape our attitudes, our beliefs, and the way we relate to others, those expectations will even shape our image of who Jesus is, where Jesus can show up, and how Jesus should act. And if Jesus does not meet our expectations, we are often too quick to question Jesus rather than ourselves. We find ourselves trusting our expectations of what God should be doing more than we trust what God is actually doing. So here's the reality. Jesus does not always and will not fulfill the expectations that we place on him. Now Jesus responds by telling John's disciples to report back what he hears and sees. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble or take offense on account of me. Jesus invites them or at very least reminds them to see what the kingdom of God is doing. And he basically says to, the, to John's disciples, don't just hear my words, but hear the words of the blind who now see. Hear what the lame are saying. Hear what the leper is saying now that he's welcomed back into the community. Hear what the deaf are saying, those who are raised to life and how the poor are being comforted. In fact, the words that Jesus speaks are most likely drawn from Isaiah 35, 5 to 6, which are in front, in front of you, but I won't take the time to read them. But when John's disciples reported back to John what Jesus had said, John himself in all likelihood would have been drawn back to Isaiah 35, but he would also have been drawn to the whole chapter of Isaiah, and in particularly verses 3 and 4, in which the prophet Isaiah writes, Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those who have fearful hearts, Be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance 
with divine retribution. He will come to save you. You know, for John, there was something offensive to Jesus' life and ministry. No wonder Jesus makes the claim in verse 6, blessed is the one who's not offended by me. For you see, John was looking for a Messiah to come and save him with vengeance and divine retribution. And unfortunately for John the Baptist and for many Jews, it didn't come with military might or a government overthrow. Rather, God's vengeance and retribution was the price that his son Jesus paid on the cross for us. God took vengeance on sin and death. He took vengeance on the principalities and the powers of this world so that through him and in him we could be saved and live a kingdom life. Do you know the word offended there? Blessed are those who are not offended. The the word comes from the Greek word which we translate in English scandalized. In other words, Jesus Jesus boldly states that to embrace the Messiah, Messiah means that one must wrestle with the scandalous nature of the grace and mercy and life which Jesus comes to bring. Which, guess what? Never meets human expectations. For within John's spirit, it was offensive and scandalous that Jesus did not rescue him from his circumstances or even allowed it to happen. And we often feel scandalized and offended by Jesus when he doesn't meet our expectations. The reality is this. We need to let Jesus shape Jesus within our lives. We need to push aside the cultural voices that want to minimize Jesus as the Messiah, the Christ, our Savior and Lord. And the reality is, is our witness, our testimony will be more powerful if we live from the position of who Jesus Christ is, regardless of our circumstances and regardless of what we feel or what we are imprisoned by. Which leads me to our third insight, the solution. Take the yoke of Jesus upon you because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I want to move from the beginning of chapter 11 to the end of the chapter. As a matter of fact, it is probably the end of chapter 11 that is probably the most familiar words of this entire chapter. And I do this recognizing that I'm skipping over valuable and precious teaching in the middle of the chapter, which could probably produce three or four more sermons alone. But Jesus ultimately gives us the answer to John's question in verses 28 to 30 when he says, Come to me, 
all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I believe there are more than just a several people here this morning the need to hear those words and let them wash over and soak into their lives. The beauty of these words is that it is that it, the answer is not some simple three-step guide that never seems to work or a set of instructions that are nearly impossible to follow. Have you ever seen those? I've never built anything from Ikea, but I hear those instructions are quite a challenge sometimes. But rather than a program or formula, the answer is Jesus himself. He doesn't give us a formula. He gives himself. And there is no other religion in the world that makes this kind of offer. To fully understand and appreciate Jesus' words of invitation, it is first important for us to recognize that we are all yoked to something. We cannot do life completely free. Life does not work that way. So the question becomes, who or what are you yoked to? And as John said, are you the one or should I look for another? In other words, do I keep yoking my life to you or should I find another yoke to attach to? It is the burdens and weariness of life that often forces us to examine our attachments, our yokes, and the best way to figure out what you are yoked to is to answer this question. When I am burdened and weary, what do I turn to? When I am burdened and weary, what do I turn to? You know, it wasn't too long ago. I almost hate to confess this but I used to leave my house at seven o'clock in the morning and not come back until eight or nine and made sure I had appointments and all kind of that. Because I just, there was a season where I just wanted to avoid home. What am I burdened and weary with and what do I turn to? For some of us, it can be alcohol, drugs, TV, overeating, isolation, or some other kind of pattern or behavior that can begin to take on addicting kind of qualities. And the reality is, if that yoke isn't Jesus, it will eventually fail you. But notice what Jesus says about his yoke. It's easy 
and light because Jesus is humble and gentle of heart. When you're struggling, when your circumstances start to overwhelm you, doesn't easy and light sound good? Doesn't gentle and humble sound good? But there's one condition. Jesus says, take my yoke, but he also says, learn from me. Learn from me. You know, over the past year, I've actually been asking a lot of questions. And I'm on a journey to determine how much of my faith as an adult, how much of my faith in Jesus has actually become grounded more in culture than in God's word. And so to this end, I want to free myself from those cultural underpinnings and saturate myself with the words and the stories of Jesus as they're found in the Gospels. And I want to invite you this morning to that journey. I believe the reason why we struggle with Jesus when our circumstances get tough is because we don't really know the true Jesus. So, starting today, there are 65 days between now and Labor Day. And guess what? There just so happens to be 65 chapters in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and John. So I want to encourage you. No, I want to recommend to you. I want to challenge you to slowly read a chapter a day and let Christ's words and Christ's activity found in the Gospels shape and feed your spirit and life. Matter of fact, to help you, if you open up the top of your bulletin under this week's calendar, each throughout the summer, you're going to see a little box which is going to remind you of what you could be, should be reading this week. Matthew 1 to 7. The more I think about it, the more I'm convinced that our Christian lives would be stronger, they would be deeper if we kept, just kept reading a gospel chapter every day for the rest of our lives. Now, I'm not saying ignore the rest of the, the, the scriptures, but let's saturate our lives with who Jesus, the word of God says who Jesus is. Did you come here this morning in some way disappointed with Jesus? Do you struggle with doubts about him because he hasn't done what you wanted him to do? Has he in some deeply personal and painful way grieved you? I've fallen short of your expectations. I want you to know this this morning. You're in good company. Even the great John the Baptist struggled in this way. Right now, maybe you need to step back and examine your expectations of him. Have you been expecting him to do something for you or be something to you that he never promised in the scriptures? 
I want you to know the disappointment never comes from him. It comes from wrong and unbiblical expectations about him. And we create those expectations in our mind, or maybe they've even been taught uh, to us from those who have misrepresented Jesus to us. Perhaps you come here this morning with some expectations of Jesus that you need to repent of and let go. Maybe you've come here this morning with a a yoke that you need to let go of and pick up the yoke of Jesus. I urge you to go to the scriptures to get to know him better. Find out what he's really like. Learn what he has truly promised. And he's always full of surprises when you get to know him. He's always greater than our expectations. He's always does far more exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. His word assures us and he always fulfills his own promises and will always do so in ways that exceed our greatest expectations of him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, some of us are tired. Some of us are worn out. Some of us are burned out on religion. And this morning we need to hear those words of Jesus that say, come to me. Get away with me. And recover your life. We need to hear the words that's that Jesus says that he will show us how to take real rest if we'll just walk with Jesus and work with Jesus. And allow ourselves to do it the way Jesus did it. Father, help us to learn the unforced rhythms of grace in Jesus' life. Help us to walk the way that Jesus walked, the way Jesus walked the way. And Father, we know that Jesus promises never to lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on us. that we might learn to live freely and lightly in Jesus' name. Father, hear the prayers of our hearts this morning. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. As we close this morning, I want to invite you to use this front during our closing song 
to maybe take the yoke that you have carried into this place this morning and to lay it at the foot of the cross and then in the depths of your heart and spirit ask Jesus to put his yoke on you and to learn from him let's join in let's stand as we sing our closing song this morning